and welcome to the Gospel Points Podcast, where the gospel is the point. I'm your host, Kevin Thompson. Thanks so much for joining me today, and I am just really, really tired after staying up late last night, watching all the election returns. I'm operating on just a little bit of sleep, and so let's just jump right in, because we're going to be talking about the election today. And even our poll question has to do with last night's election. Uh, Our Twitter poll question actually didn't take place on Twitter. I put it on Facebook and said, sorry, Twitter fans. Um... But uh, the the question for this week is, which of these would you want to see a President Trump do first? So which of these options would you like to see a President Trump do first? Number one, build the wall. Number two, take over the POTUS Twitter handle. Number three, resign. Or number four, repeal and replace Obamacare. And the answer is... By an overwhelming majority, repeal and and replace Obamacare. Um, yeah, I, I gotta say that that's a uh, something I would agree with. But anyway, uh, a number two on the list was resign. We got a lot of division here between uh, Trump supporters and those who uh, would rather either either have Mike Pence or would rather have Hillary Clinton. And then uh, the third one was take over the the POTUS Twitter handle. I don't know if I'm looking forward to that one right now. Uh, But no one voted for Bill DeWall. Unsurprisingly, that was like one of the features of his campaign. But um, anyway, I'd like to see Obamacare repealed and replaced. But as long as it's done in the right way, that's a different different, uh, issue for a different podcast. Uh, But we're going to talk about the election today. You woke up this morning, many of you, and... Many of you were hoping it would be over, finally. We can start uh, to live our normal lives again. But some of you were disappointed as you saw the vitriol on Facebook, on social media. That there, are, there there's just an anger out there. Either an anger toward people who would dare to vote for Donald Trump. Or anger over people who would dare to have voted for Hillary Clinton. This election didn't heal any wounds. In fact, maybe it, it ripped open some scabs here. And uh, that's a, it's a pretty scary thing here. And so I want to talk about what is the state of the church after an election like this? And to do that, I invited my pastor, uh, Joshua Pegram, to come on the podcast and just kind of talk for a few minutes about, about this whole uh, issue. So let's get right to our interview with Joshua Pegram. I'm on the phone with Pastor Joshua Pegram of the Morning Star Church in Rockford, Illinois. Uh, Pastor Joshua, welcome to Gospel Points. Thank you, Kevin. It's an honor to be with you. Well, we're talking about the election and more the state of the church here the day after the election. Um, You're my pastor, and I think one of the things that people mistake about the evangelical church is that they think that we kind of vote in a block or... Uh, have right. some sort of unified whole when it comes to politics. But in reality, there's quite a bit of diversity, even within our church. I mean, you've got people supporting yes. guys like Bernie Sanders. You've got uh, your your hard, fast Donald Trump. You've got everything in between the never Trumps and the third party. How do you pastor such a, a diverse group when it comes to uh, the politics? Well, there's no question that uh, this climate we live in with an opportunity with to access so many opinions and also with so many opportunities for people to voice their opinions can be a, uh, a tricky, it's, it's a tr- tricky context to have any of these discussions in. 
And I've got to admit that, uh, you know, in addition to being a pastor, uh, I'm a Christian and a citizen, so I care about these issues. But one of my deep-seated convictions throughout the election cycle was that my main ministry, and really the church's main ministry, must be the gospel. And so whatever our approach to the election cycle is, whether it's in a conversation at church or comments online or elsewhere, um, our approach to that can't be something that masks the gospel itself. So if I, as a pastor, become so impassioned about the election that it becomes difficult for people to hear me preach the gospel um, in my church or outside the church, um, that's, at that point I've gone too far. And, uh, I, and it, it was one of the things that God used to temper my opinions was saying, okay, my mission here is to, to preach the gospel, and the gospel itself has enough offense in it. And so I want, I want the gospel to be that offense and not my uh, kind of extra biblical opinions to cause right. that offense. Yeah, and I think one of the, the, the beauty of Christ's church is the diversity. Um, Absolutely. The gospel has a unifying effect that draws people from all languages, peoples, uh, groups, and uh, across borders of, of every imagination, um, including yep. political, because, you know, at, at the core of the gospel is, uh, again, a unifying message of we are, we are sinners in need of a savior. Um, yep. So when it comes to this election, it seems like this more – maybe even more than previous years have, has just really been divisive um, because yeah. a lot of things politically um, it's, it's not always easy to make the distinction. This is sacred. This is secular. Um, and so yeah. you have issues like abortion or gay marriage and, and, and a host of other issues, even economic issues where it seems like, okay, this is a, this is something that is good and right. Um, so how do you think – you mentioned this a little bit in, in your answer. You don't want to add offense to the gospel. But where can the average layman, uh, you know, the person in the pew, where can they maybe take that political action, which, again, these issues are important. It's not that they're not, uh, they're not important. How can they yes. take that too far um, when these issues are important? Yeah, I think that uh, at – at some level, we have to have a, a taxonomy or a way of deciding what is truly the most important to a Christian. Um, and I think it's an important thing for Christians to, while, while the Bible is clear that there are responsibilities as earthly citizens, to remember that our first citizenship uh, is in heaven, right. not here, that that should always uh, condition our view of our earthly citizenship. That being said, the, the question that you're asking is a great question and particularly difficult in this election cycle because uh, by the time we came down to two major party candidates, uh, Trump and Clinton, uh, both had, have had so many uh, issues that in terms of a qualified character seemed to strike them both from the list. Right. of uh, certainly what a Christian would hope for and maybe what some Christians felt like they could vote for in good conscience. Um, and so we go too far when our conclusions um, 
supersede our relationships within the body of Christ. Yeah. In, um, you know, I, I would say the election cycle revealed, and really from both sides of the aisle, so what you consider right wing and left wing, right. uh, within the church, uh, kind of a new legalism, mm. um, where it's, it's not enough to hold differing views, but now we insist that to be a, uh, a righteous person or, shall we say, a, a person with Christ-like character, you must agree with, with my convictions, right. with what my conscience is telling me. And that's a difficult thing for, for anyone to navigate, yeah. but it seemed to be particularly difficult uh, in this campaign season. Right, because you had a lot of people, I mean, some of the big names were, you know, Sabidi Enyabwile or Russell Moore and, and Al Mohler and others jumping in. Yeah. And yep. they weren't just giving personal opinions, but they're, they're quoting scripture and they're saying, listen, your Christian conscience ought to be affected by this. And so right. it, it really became divisive because now it's not just a matter of, you know, you've got your view, I've got my view, but if I'm a Bible-believing Christian, I have to have... So how, how can you promote unity within, with, with two believers, you know, whether it's the Bernie Sanders guy and the Donald Trump guy or the, the Hillary Clinton and the uh, Evan McMullen guy? How, how, do you, how would you talk to those two people sitting in the pew next to each other um, who are angry at each other right now, and they're probably right now on Facebook right now, yelling at each other, blaming each other for right. the loss or whatever. How do you how do you counsel those two people? Well, first, I would try to encourage them toward empathy, and by this, I don't necessarily mean emotional empathy, but to try to view things from the other perspective. Mm-hmm. So, one of the things that has been difficult is because um, Trump and Clinton, in particular, have so much baggage. Uh, both sides, so the conservative, uh, politically conservative uh, sector viewed Hillary's baggage as heinous and disqualifying, but Trump's as, yeah, he's got some baggage, but, um, you know, he does a lot of good things. And and by the same token, to be fair, um, the progressive side of the political spectrum viewed Trump's baggage as absolutely disqualifying, but Clinton's as, uh, you know, yeah, you know, we'd prefer it otherwise, but, you know, we can work with it. And so I would try to help them see that, uh, can can you understand how someone from the Hmm. other side of the aisle would be concerned? And so, like, let's just say, okay, their concern is, could be legitimate. Um, And so, you know, I think one thing that's hard for any of us is when we feel like we are misrepresented. And so in disagreement, it's important that we represent others as they would represent themselves. And, and sadly, I think very little of that happens in these discussions. Yeah. So that would be um, one thing. Beyond that, uh, I would encourage people to demonstrate true charity, Christian love toward one another. So, I'll, you know, I, I agree, frankly, that uh, a man bragging about groping a woman should offend anyone of Christian sensibility. I also agree that um, someone endorsing the murder of young, innocent children and preying on them and being absolutely um, unabashed in promoting that agenda should offend Christian sensibilities. And so, um, so recognizing that um, yes, we are all flawed, but that in the midst of that conversation, 
we have to allow room for freedom of conscience as well as uh, prize Christ most highly. Mm. Um, and, you know, Jesus somehow took a former Pharisee, uh, letter of the law guy like Paul, and uh, a roughneck fisherman, Peter, and got them loving and serving each other, sometimes, you know, confronting each other too, but recognizing that the, at, at the end of the day, the unity of the spirit was what drew them together. And, um, and so try, I guess I would try to, I'm taking a long time to address this, but answer both the way we address the one another, as well as right. um, reminding us what is most important. Well, you know, the guy we're talking about right now is Donald Trump. He, he won the election. He's right. the president-elect. Um, and as you said, he's got quite a bit of baggage. Uh, do you think the church as a whole, one of the things, well, let me back up. Last night, I knew that when I woke up this morning, from my personal perspective, I knew I was going to be disappointed either way. Um, right. And I, I think one of the things that kind of left a pit in my stomach was that in one disappointment, I, I could see in Hillary Clinton that that's the other side. Um, those mm-hmm. people, if, if she wins, then you know what? I, I was preparing myself. I'm going to pray for this woman. I'm going to pray that Lord gives her wisdom and maybe even changes her heart on and, and help me to submit to her authority. But on the right. other hand, you have Donald Trump, and that's not them. That's that's us. Um, right. My my friends and people I respect helped get this man where he is today um, yep. with all the baggage he has. So do you think that the the evangelical church or, or just the church at whole, as a whole has a black eye this morning? Is there something that uh, you feel like, man, we are not representing Christ well in this? Uh, I do think, you know, as you acknowledged at the beginning, the church is diverse and varied. Um, and so I think there are some sectors of the church that are responding in a, a measured way, and even some people I know who uh, voted for Trump. I think there are others that are completely missing the mark um, in calling this some sort of a, a victory for Christians. Right. Um, it's, it's not that. Uh, and, you know, the, the ballot measures beyond the election itself that passed, whether it's uh, physician-assisted suicide, or the ouster of a controversial governor in North Carolina. Um, you know, uh, I, I don't think this this is not a, a move at all toward biblical morality. And so, I think to kind of clap and cheer as a Christian is is misguided. Hmm. Uh, that being said, I do hope for some good things. I do hope for uh, originalist. Um, Supreme Court justices, justices who will um, value human life, and frankly, not not just unborn life, but all human life. Mm. Um, and and I think that's a, a sense in which, um, and, and that's part of the difficulty is you know there's such a, a conflict of interest, and so um, I would hope those who are feeling relieved um, this today would also find themselves chagrined and in calling still for repentance on areas in which, uh, frankly, the Republican Party's hands are very dirty. Right. Yeah, it, it's dangerous at any time when you start claiming this is God's candidate or this is God's mm-hmm. man. And, uh, man, I, I would 
you, even if I believe this guy's the right guy and I had a guy I was supporting and just whoa um, to all to come all of a sudden to claim uh, some sort of uh, biblical authority is, is a pretty scary thing um, absolutely you know we're, we're, we're kind of running out of time here but I wanted to uh, leave things somewhat on a positive note so here we are we, we have uh, not just President Trump uh, coming into office in January but you've got other elected officials what is our responsibility as the church then um, with these people coming into office, whether it's, again, Trump or, or anybody else? How should we respond uh, to what is the sovereignty of God in this situation? Yes, well, you know, there's uh, certainly a comfort for Christians knowing that God was the sovereign king of the universe yesterday, and this morning we wake up and he right. rules that Jesus will one day come back and rescue us from ourselves. In the meantime, we certainly have some responsibilities as citizens of this earth. Um, one, of course, Romans 13, to uh, obey uh, earthly governmental civic rulers. Um, and to, to keep that in mind, always, of course, balanced by um, the apostles, you know, in Acts, obey God rather than men. And yet... Uh, there is a responsibility for us to submit Jesus, you know, to, to render to Caesar the things that are his. Uh, beyond this, I think rather than curl our nose and disgust, um, whether it, it, of course it's Trump, but whether it had been Hillary or Trump, um, to pray for our leaders, to pray for those that uh, lead our government, uh, First Timothy. Um, and then at the end of the day, to whether your guy got elected or whether he didn't or she did not get elected, not put your trust in princes, right. but to put your trust in uh, the Lord, your God. And so I think we still have, an, op we have uh, an opportunity while resting in the sovereignty of God to fulfill our civic responsibilities. And I think there's, there is an exciting opportunity for, um, for Christians who can submit to government as well right. as um, highlight issues of righteousness. So uh, there are real opportunities ahead of us, um, and that would be true whether it was President Trump or President Clinton today. And um, and I, I thank God that he is at the helm of this and that we don't have to despair or wring our hands no matter what right. we think because uh, we have clear responsibilities as well as clear opportunities to uh, uh, highlight the gospel in our culture today. Yeah, I think one of the, the things that hits me from church history, just looking at the early church, these were people on the run in persecution, yet Absolutely. they strove in every possible way to be obedient and submissive to, the, to the, the very government that wanted them dead and wanted them out of their empire. They strove, yep. they went out of their way to, if any way possible, to submit. And, you know, I think we're, we're called to the, the same, uh, same thing here. And what a testimony that was. Um, yep. to the church. Well, uh, Pastor Joshua, thank you for, for joining us here on, on Gospel Points, and uh, we had some little time constraints here, but just uh, thanks for your time. Thank you, Kevin. Great to be with you. Well, that's all the time we have uh, for this edition, and thank you for listening. And again, let me give you just some final words. Stop arguing on Facebook, get on your knees, and start praying for our government. I think we can all agree on that. The other thing we can agree on is Rate us on iTunes. Go ahead and share this podcast with your friends. Put it on Facebook. Put it on Twitter. Uh, send a Pinterest or send a whatever. Whatever it is you do, get the message out there. And I would appreciate that. Well, 
see you next time. Now, this week, uh, last week, I promised that this week would be the second part of our uh, interview about the book, uh, The Doctrine of Lesser Magistrates. And uh, I decided to do this instead. So we are going to do that next week, I promise. So tune in for that next time. Until then, have a great rest of your week.